your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, today, very exciting, uh, I sat down a couple of days ago with Sarah Avampacho, host of LA Kings, uh, Locked On LA Kings, and we had a chat about the TSN documentary, The Problem of Pain, which is about kind of the issues surrounding pain management in the NHL now, kind of how they've gotten better, how they haven't actually gotten better at all, um, and kind of the the problems inherent in hockey culture that all kind of tie together with this issue of being a good teammate and not letting your team down ever. Um, so that's that's what we've got planned today, and I will just get right into it. The, the biggest takeaway is we don't necessarily learn anything new, but we sure do get a lot more information from some guys about what is going on in their lives. So this documentary, if you haven't watched it yet, uh, they talk to Cal Quincy, who is a former Red Wing, uh, Zenon Kanopka, who is a former a little bit everywhere. I feel like I know him most from Buffalo and Ryan Kessler, who we all know uh, from his time with Anaheim and uh, previously Vancouver. So three guys, three very different players, uh, all reporting the same issues with, the way that pain is managed in the NHL. So what were your thoughts after watching this, Jay? Um, I mean, like you said, like it didn't really tell me anything. I didn't know in terms of like generally how, how pain is managed in the NHL and how these players kind of dealt with pain. But I remember like, it just made me really mad. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I liked it a lot, but man, the league just fails these guys in every possible, every possible way, doesn't it? Yeah. And the, there was a, a Cal Quincy, one of the first things that he said was that first you're a prospect, then you're a project, and then you're a suspect because you go on this path of you're someone that is, you know, highly regarded. You're going to be, you're going to make the NHL someday. You're, you're all pumped up. Then there's then you're someone who they want to mold you into whatever they want you to be. And then once you get the tenure in the league and, and the standing to really be able to kind of stand up and say, hey, like, I don't think this is right or I want a second opinion or whatever, then you're kind of viewed suspiciously. And we have seen I feel like we see this over and over again of player seeks a second opinion. There's always wasn't it like um, Joffrey Lapool who like there was that whole like controversy over how he had a second opinion and the Leafs said he could play and his doctor said he couldn't or whatever, or maybe vice versa. But I feel like we see it a lot of guys being like, I'm going to go talk to my own doctor. Yeah, for sure. Um, Josh Anderson, actually, that was a big thing um, this season. Uh, one of the, the forward for the Blue Jackets who missed basically all of the season, I think. Um, he got injured against the Bruins in the playoffs last year. Um, and then October came around and they said he was healthy, but like 
anyone who has watched him play previously watched him play this series this season you know he clearly wasn't playing at 100 percent. and then i think in january he went out with the same kind of shoulder injury that he went out with in uh in the playoffs and then they were like oh you know he's four to six weeks you know the standard standard nhl injury time you know four to six weeks and then week to week and then um i think it got to about april before they were like yeah no we're, we're gonna shut him down um and i remember it was very kind of could the whole thing was very kind of contentious because it was he didn't need the surgery then he did need the surgery and then it came out afterwards that he'd actually had a second opinion from an independent doctor and again i don't know whether it was that the independent doctor shut him down for surgery or if the team finally decided to shut him down for surgery and then he went for a second opinion to see if he could play or not but it it is it's very much that kind of there's a weird level of distrust between the players and the medical staff it feels like you know does that make sense like um it feels very much like the players obviously the players want to play and the team wants them to play but at a certain point it feels like the team doesn't have the players best interests at heart if that best interest is missing time yeah and they they even kind of get into that a little bit towards the end end of the film where they talk specifically about how so many teams are sponsored or have deals with or have play in an arena named after some big major medical center or medical group or whatever in in their city and that that's a huge conflict of interest because the team you know a the team doctors in general work for the team so they probably are not necessarily having the player's best interest in mind because they want to do what's going to keep the owners and the the front office happy um these teams sponsored by hospitals um uh one of the players in, in the uh someone interviewed in in that the film said at the professional level players basically become or uh, doctors basically become commodities of the league teams like to trot out. Oh, here's the official, you know, X hospital of the, you know, whatever team it is. And people, you know, these players who have been, I feel like conditioned from a very young age to just sort of go along with whatever is happening in front of them. You don't complain. You don't make yourself a nuisance. You just play the game, you know, buckle down, get up and skate, whatever. They, they don't have the, 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 the standing or the, the freedom they feel like to, to stand up and question this. And um, I know they, they pointed out in the, the documentary that the new collective bargaining agreement kind of puts a little bit of limits around these sort of medical deals and sponsorships and whatever, but there still really is the perception of, you know, if the whatever team is going to send their guy to the whatever team sponsored hospital, is that person really going to get the best care that is going to care for them in, you know, 10 years from now and not just there's a game next week. And by the time a lot of guys have the, the standing in the league to be able to stand up and say, Hey, I want a second opinion. I want a different medication. I want something different. It's too late. Like the damage is already done. 
coming up in just a minute. I've got more from Sarah and I. Uh, but first, I would like to tell you about BuiltGo. Uh, BuiltGo is the same company that does Built Bars, which are those super delicious uh, candy protein bars. Um, and they have a new product. Uh, so BuiltGo is uh, these easy-to-take one-and-a-half-ounce packages of... Uh, workout gel energy drink um you know they're, they're they're really great they are condensed and perfect for like if you have that wall that you need to break through they're great for um if you have a workout or if you've got like a presentation that you really need to be focused in on or you know you just have a tough day and you think you're going to need to get through it you can just throw a built go into your bag and take it when you need it um it's kind of like drinking a monster energy drink but with like a third of the caffeine and way better results uh they come in three super delicious flavors uh my favorite is the chocolate mint uh, but they also do a chocolate coconut and a peanut butter honey and frankly i am not a peanut butter person but the peanut butter honey is surprisingly good um the way they work is uh, Bilgo combines energy gel with uh, collagen protein, uh, which is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. It's really easy on the stomach. Uh, I know I sometimes struggle with protein powders and things like that to kind of find something that agrees with my digestive system. Uh, so, you know, Bilgo is really good for that. Uh, they've got beta alanine, they've got B3, a little bit of honey, a little bit of caffeine. Uh, and then, you know, B, B6 vitamins, B12 vitamins, and the collagen protein also promotes uh, joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. So, you know, not only do you feel good, you are going to look good. Uh, so if you go to builtgo.com and use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 30% off your next offer. Builtgo.com, promo code LOCKED. You messaged me while you were watching it saying this is going to make you feel really bad for Ryan Kessler. And man, it sure did because he, his inclusion in this to me, especially was, you know, usually we see these and it is the like Xenon Kanopkis. It's all about the enforcers and the damage from fighting and, you know, the, the pain that comes along with that, which is a very valid thing. But Kessler's kind of one of the first like current players who is, kind of i mean i i kind of a superstar he I, I would say is very well known throughout the league but is one of the bigger more recent names to stand up and say like this has basically ruined my life and i can't live a normal life anymore because i was given this drug that you're supposed to use five times and then that's it and instead he's using it literally every single day and his body's wrecked now and I was like, man, I don't want to feel bad for Ryan Kessler, but I do. This is awful. Like, no one should have to go through that. Right. For me, it was the bit where, like, right right near the end where they said, you know, how how's your quality of life mm-hmm. now? And at this point, he's been retired for, you know, what, 18 months now, give or take? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, you can see he doesn't really know how to answer how to answer that question. Because, you know, his quality of life is bad because he's been dealing with this this thing for five years that is a direct a direct result of pain medication given to him by the NHL. 
and it just kind of made me think about um the documentary talks about Derek Bugard who obviously very famously mm-hmm. like was essentially I it's it all sounds very dramatic but the NHL killed him like he died of an overdose mm-hmm. but it was the NHL's it was the NHL's fault the NHL mm-hmm. and their medical staff directly caused this man's death mm-hmm. and I remember they released like the medical records and stuff and the thing that always hit me about Derek Bugard in particular is when they talk about how he like at the end I think he had something like 14 different prescriptions mm-hmm. for pain medication mm-hmm. from nine different doctors and yeah. at no point did any of these doctors think oh well maybe this might interfere badly with that or is somebody else mm-hmm. giving him this it was very much just a case of getting back on the ice as fast as possible and uh it kind of made me think about how um so i do a little bit of work with the uh elite league over here the uh the uk the main uk league um and so i know a couple of the guys that kind of play and have played and uh i was talking to one of the guys about it a guy called david clark who is probably one of the bigger stars in uh in british i think i believe he's the highest scoring brit to play in the league um Hmm. he is the last british born british trained player to play to score 30 goals in this league and that was in like 2012 um but anyway, and so I was kind of talking to him about this inch because he's had concussions, he's had mm-hmm. shoulder surgeries on both shoulders, he's had his knee reconstructed, he's had hip surgery, he's had jaw surgery, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And we were talking about like this injury culture, and he was talking about how it's not necessarily that they want to play, it's that if they say oh, I'm too injured to play, then the team is going to look at that mm-hmm. badly. And I think Kyle, Qu- Kyle Quincy touched on this a little bit in the in the documentary, but it's a case of like, if you say that you're too injured to play, then the team is going to be like, oh, well, that guy's not a team player. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't care about the team, so we're going to find someone that will play through this injury mm-hmm. because that's clearly that's clearly a better person who cares more about the team and is going to like shut up and Mm -hmm. just take it, you know? Yeah. Especially like either the younger guys or your sort of fringe guys, your, your bottom six, your bottom pair defenseman, your guy who's a healthy scratch every, every other night. Um, You know, Ryan Kessler, if he had, you know, stood up and said like, Hey, I have questions about this. I think that, he, you know, he had maybe a little less risk. It's like why people always want Sidney Crosby to be the one to stand up and say something about something because of the guys in the league, you know, your Crosby's, Taves, Ovechkin, McDavid, those are the guys who are going to suffer the least consequences if they stand up and make a real statement about something. And, you know, I, I wouldn't put Kessler in the same rank as them, but he is someone who has a long career, who has you know been an Olympian, who has won medals, uh, you know, and, and is a very successful player. And, you know, he's someone who I think could probably raise a little bit of a ruckus had he, you know, at the time when this was like was all happening, had he been informed that, you know, this was maybe not a great plan. Now he is because he under, he knows and, what is happening to his body, but to guys like Xenon Kanopka, who was also interviewed in this, 
that guy's an enforcer. He is on the ice for one reason, and it wasn't to score goals. It was to get in fights. And he he talked about how to continue to continue to play, you have to manage your pain, or else someone else is going to get in the lineup over you, and then you're done. And that that is just so deeply ingrained in the game. You know, I, I don't think that they're in you know minor hockey or you know fourteen and under. They're not shooting those kids up with Toradol. I certainly hope not. But the culture of suck it up, keep playing. You can play through that sprain, whatever leads to these guys who are in the pros who feel like they have to keep playing. And if a team doctor says, Hey, this is going to make it so you don't hurt. So you can get back out there on the ice. They're going to say, yeah, sure. Great. Remember you can find uh lockdown blue jacket at L O underscore blue jacket on Twitter. You can find me at J the goalie on Twitter. And if you have questions, comments, criticisms, uh, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. Kanaka pointed out that you're basically programmed. You're programmed to be that way. And he he says in his interview, who made you that way? And like so many things in, in hockey that we look at and say like, hmm, this kind of stinks. You, you re- have to rewind it all the way back to the beginning of to the message these kids are getting when they're first starting to play organized hockey and some coach is yelling at an eight-year-old to get, to shake it off and get back up there. Like. Right. Like I don't even, I don't know that like 90% of the league, I don't know that any of them have even like even thought about it or questioned it. Mm -hmm. It just is so deeply, deeply ingrained in kind of like from the age of eight. You know, they've learned, sh- shut up, don't talk about whether it hurts or not, just play through it, because that's what a hockey player does. And it kind of, it, that kind of thing touches on, I think, issues all over the sport. You know, it's um, it's homophobia, it's racism, it's misogyny, it's, I think that's why these kind of problems get so big. It's because they're like, well, because this has been the way it is since I was eight years old, you know, and now you're you're you know you're 18 you're 28 you're you know and you've kind of reached that point where it doesn't even occur to you to question this it's just how how things are and people who try to make change uh are in in and like you said it's not just the pain issue, it is all of the other things. It's racism and homophobia and everything. The people who try to make change are the ones who end up getting kind of ostracized. And in uh, in in that, the, the film, they talked to a guy who was a trainer for the Ducks minor league team who was fired in his view because he was looking at trying to look at things more holistically and provide more homeopathic kind of remedies for players instead of being like, here, take this pain medication. Uh, They specifically talked about how he was looking at CBD as as a treatment for players and they fired him, Um, which I thought was also especially interesting. Uh, You know, I I don't know when exactly he was fired. It could have been a handful of years ago, but interesting now that just the other day I saw a tweet from Seth Jones that he is partnering with a CBD company as like a brand ambassador or whatever. And so here's a major NHL player saying, you know, here's this thing that I'm going to put my likeness on and give my seal of approval to. And then on the flip side, you have 
a trainer looking into it as a way for these guys to manage their pain in a way that is not going to be as physically harmful to them as some of these medications and he loses his job for it. Yeah, it feels very much like the NHL has figured out how to monetize this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's for yep. capitalism reasons as opposed to mm-hmm. the guy's health reasons. Yeah. Is is what that that feels like to me, which is gross and bad and horrible, but kind of part of the course with the NHL. You know, yeah, it's, it's they didn't want to care about Black Lives Matter until they right. figured out they could monetize it. Yeah. Yeah, like now they they didn't want to care about the LGBT community, but now they realize they can turn all of their logos rainbow colored and people are going to buy it. And so they're like, well, great, cool. We'll care enough to put a logo on a thing and make it a rainbow and someone's going to buy it. Like, Right. You may have one rainbow logo for one game. Mm -hmm. And And that's it. Yeah. And like the queer community kind of eats it up because that's Mm -hmm. all they get. Yeah. Um, like not to get too off topic, but right, it, right. yeah, it's that's that's what it is. I think I think yeah. you know it's it's how can we get the most profit out of these players, right? Um, and yeah, it's it's all about who's going to pay you money for it, and they they see a profit in it, and so they're like, great, cool, next thing. And I think that's all we have time for today. Uh, next week, I've got some more of my conversation with Sarah to bring you. Uh, and we will also be talking about the Blue Jackets defense, uh, whether, you know, we end up moving Wierenski, how much, uh, how kind of what impact that will have on the blue line and uh, just some like general season overviews of how our defensemen played in this in this crazy COVID season. Uh, so that's that's all next week. You get you have a great weekend. And I will see you on Monday.